Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. What an intro. My goodness. <clears throat> I'm not as um, skilled as Pastor Gill with him able to speak without any notes. And so you're going to see me using this a lot to help. Um, but what a special thing it is for me to speak this morning. Thank you, Life, for that intro and sharing the heart of where our church is at. Um, I'm humbled and I'm grateful. The last time I spoke was over two years ago as well, so forgive me if I stumble or seem a little nervous because I, I am a little nervous. <laughs> and there is a, a reason for that two-year gap, and I look forward to sharing that as well, what's happening in our family's life these last two years. When Pastor Gill asked me to speak this morning to share, he essentially just said, Emmett, share your story of the last two years of your family, as well as your heart and vision for what you see for family ministry. And so I'm going to sit in that and rest in that. And um, man, it's hard to share your story and to be asked, hey, share your story. That's so big and it was daunting. What do I share? What don't I share? Where do I begin? But one thing that has been so constant in these last two years in life you foreshadowed is God is faithful. He's so faithful. And I know that life you've already prayed, but on that note, I'm just gonna take another moment to pause and sit in that and invite him into the rest of this story I'm gonna share with you, because I hope and pray that it's a reminder of how faithful God is for us all. So Jesus, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, who you are. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Father, for how we can rest in you and the mystery of even what this role means. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I figured a great place to begin is um, as I share our stories for you guys to get to know who, who my family is, who, who Morgan and I are. And by now, a lot of you have seen my wife, Morgan and I lead worship on Sundays. And Morgan is by far the greatest gift that God has ever given me. And just this past January, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary of being married for 10 years. And so I think I have that number right. It is 10. <laughs> and Morgan and I's true friendship and relationship started because we wrote a song together for our high school graduation. It had nothing to do with the fact that I was chasing after her best friend at the time, and that's how I met her. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> and as we wrote the song together, we got to know each other more. Um, and little by little, I was talking to Morgan more than her friend and wanted to spend more and more time with her. And as you can imagine, she just fell in love with me just right away. <laughs> she just couldn't, couldn't handle it. And in case you didn't know, we have way too many kids. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> my brother-in-law, Drew, thinks this is the moment where I'll announce that we have our fifth kid. And it's not. We don't have a fifth kid coming. Um, but I wanted to, you know, have you, uh, I want to introduce my kids to you as well. So on the screen, I'll show, this is my oldest child. This is Madeline, my daughter. She is nine. She is my only daughter. So as you can imagine, she is the princess of the house. And I love being her dad. I don't know about any other dads in here, but something was so natural for me to be a dad. Something just felt so natural to be protective and caring and to guard and protect her and to remind her that she's not dating until she's at least 33 years old. 
And then my second oldest child, my firstborn son, is Zeke. That's my Zeke right there. Zeke is my strong, handsome, all-boy, seven-year-old little man. And he's my natural athlete. Um, they were teaching him to ride his bike. He just naturally got it. He, he stepped on the bike. It just, I can't explain it. Just he stepped on it and he started pedaling, and then he hasn't looked back. That's how he learned how to ride a bike. It blew my mind. I was not that easy <laughs> when I was a kid. My third oldest is Lincoln. That is my Link. Lincoln is my curious, sensitive, wander off and wonder where he is, little five, almost six-year-old. Just last week as I was getting home from the office, Morgan asked if I had saw Lincoln in our cul-de-sac when I pulled in. And I said, no. And she said, well, well, he should be out there. He went over to the neighbor's house to play. And I said, oh, okay. And then a few minutes go by and we're like, but where's Lincoln? Because Morgan at this point had texted our neighbors and they weren't even home. <laughs> Lincoln was missing. And so we live in a neighborhood where there's a big pond that's way down the street and they know they can't go to it unless they're with us. So we're frantically checking and I don't know about you guys, but as a dad, I don't get as scared as, like, as quickly as Morgan does, my wife. So like, within a minute, she's like, what has happened to our son? And, it, and for me, I'm like, I'm checking the house because he likes to hide. And then, you know, about five, 10 minutes go by and we're like, Lincoln is missing. And so that's when I start to get actually nervous and scared. Um, and we find Lincoln all the way by himself, just walking around our big pond, just saying hi to strangers and just mind his own business, just a five-year-old boy. And that's my Lincoln. And then our youngest child is Leo. Man, look at that face. Leo is my worship-leading, music-loving, always looking for one of his toy car two-year-old little boys. Um, just about every time I sit to play the piano, he'll, he'll run up to me, he'll stop whatever he's doing, ask to you know, sit on my lap to play the piano. And Leo was the perfect child for Morgan and I to go, yeah, I think we're done now with having four kids. <laughs> and over 12 years ago now, I was dating my soon-to-be wife, and we had just graduated from high school here in Beaver Creek, and Morgan told me about this college she was going to called Hillsong College in Sydney, Australia. She was just so excited about it, and I never heard of it before. And the more she told me about this place, the more that I wanted to go. And I remember hearing Hillsong's music worship for the first time, and I never heard anything like it before, and it lit a fire in my heart, and I was like, that's where I want to go too. So in 2010 and 2011, we both went and graduated from Hillsong Leadership College. In our first year at Hillsong, we studied worship music, which is something that we've always loved to do. But in our second year, we switched our major to um, pastoral leadership because it was at that point that we knew that God was calling us to build his church for the rest of our lives. And almost immediately after we got back from Bible college, we got married and packed everything up in a U-Haul and drove to West Virginia, where we lived for eight years, had all four of our kids, and we're in full-time ministry together. And that part of West Virginia will always be a part of our hearts. Uh, we had the same doctor deliver each of our four kids, which was just so special to have. We raised our family in two different houses that became like a home to us, and we made friends who were like family. And during the eight years of us living 
in West Virginia. I was an intern at the church. Then I became the youth pastor, and then I was a family pastor, as life alluded to. And all the while, while having our kids, Morgan was able to stay home and help raise them, which was always our heart. When we knew we were going to have kids, we knew that we want her to be home with them. So in the beginning of the year of 2020, after spending the last 10 years of our lives away from our hometown, uh, being in full-time ministry and doing so much for God, that's when things began to unravel. Um, and the best way I can describe uh, how things began to unravel um, and how our lives came to a complete crossroads is that um, when we went into ministry, when I went into ministry, it was in this place of being in alignment with God. And if I can give you this analogy, it was just like we were in alignment with him. There was a purity. There was an honesty. There was, this is what we want to do. And we, we knew God was calling us there. But sometimes you can make little decisions or little things that just take you a little off of alignment with God. And at first, it's really nothing. It's just simple little things. But within those eight years of being in full-time ministry, it's just as we were a little off-centered of God, we continued going in that direction. And before we know it, we found ourselves over here and God was over here. And somewhere along the way of doing ministry and going full steam ahead, never stopping to breathe, not knowing how to talk to God myself, full of insecurities that affected how I saw myself, feeling inferior to my leaders, I lost my identity. I ended up having idols. I idolized my pastors at the time, seeking their voice before God's, going to them for help before God's. And I thought that my doing for God was what ministry was all about. And because the system I was in, we were always doing something. Events, special services, camps, meetings, building projects, you name it, we were always doing. And it was intoxicating because doing so much, you start to get a pride of, look at what, look at what I've done for God. And there's a pride in that. How could that not be what God wanted for me? And yet, I was silently drowning. Our family was silently suffering. And so in the beginning of 2020, God just arrested our hearts. And really, God arrested my heart because at the time, Morgan had already begun to woke up and was already beginning to rattle the cages that we were in and shake things up for us. And all of a sudden, there was this unrest that God placed in our spirits. Everything that I used to do in ministry, it was like I couldn't do it anymore. For a whole month, I tried to fight it off, uh, for wait for it to leave, ignore it. But all it did was grow stronger. And honestly, it was like a veil was lifted from our eyes. I saw how far I had gone away from God. So Morgan and I did what we only knew to do at the time, and that was to drive here to Ohio. We sought uh, some Christian counseling to help us know what to do next, to help us process what we were even feeling and discerning because we both started feeling like we needed to move back home. And in our first day of counseling intensives, we knew right away that God was leading us to come back to Ohio. We just knew it. So from there, we resigned from our positions at the church. We sold our home. And just like how we first moved to West Virginia, except now with the addition of four little passengers, we packed up everything in a U-Haul and drove back home here to Beaver Creek. I have a picture of us off. We didn't all drive like that because that would be illegal. Um, 
though we were living in West Virginia, so who knows what we could get away with there. Um, but that's us. That was the day before we drove back home here to Ohio. Um, and man, whew, so scared in that time, just so nervous, but so just knowing it was right. And I have to, I have to say this because this is the goodness of God. When we decided to just upend everything and leave, we came back with no job lined up. Um, no place to live besides crashing at my mom's house. And right as the coronavirus pandemic was just at its peak. So as you can see, it all made perfect sense to just do it. <laughs> but I think we all know that God doesn't lead us in the ways that always make sense. Because it didn't make sense. And I was the first to admit it. Uh, we were a family of six, moving with no job, no income coming, no place to live, and right in the middle of a pandemic. I remember telling certain family members what we were doing, and they were just shocked, uh, borderline outraged, confused, because it all just didn't make sense. And for so long, like we do as people, like I do, I, I tried to make sense of it. It's not that I didn't have that peace. Morgan, I knew we had that peace. We knew God was calling us home. We knew it without a shadow of a doubt this is what we were meant to do, but I still wanted to make sense of it. I wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do now? And it was right during this time, right around when we first moved back, that life came into my life in a very special and God-ordained way. Because for those who don't know, life actually officiated Morgan and I's marriage. And we joke about that because he was our number two option. Um, <laughs> our original option lived in Australia, and we, you know, obviously we couldn't afford to fly him out. Um, <clears throat> so life filled in, and he's the best filling efficient I've ever had. <clears throat> wow, such a good one. <laughs> but life did something for me that at that point no one had ever done before. No one ever done this with me before. He sat with me. And we would meet every other week at our restaurant. And he sat with me in the uncertainty, in the pain, in the sadness. He prayed for me. He encouraged me. He challenged me. And he loved me through it all, through all the different seasons where I thought I had it figured out in these last two years. Because I thought I had things figured out in these last two years. And life would sit across the table for me and just smile and just encourage me. Because for the first few months when we moved back, I was certain God had called Morgan and I to plant a church. Uh, we had started making all the plans. We started working with an organization to help us launch it. We were telling family members. We were pumped. Um, I even met with Gil and Life about it, because at this time, I had been with Life for a bit. And so I wanted to meet Gil. I'll never forget this. After meeting with Gil for the first time and sharing my heart for a church, Gil looked at me and had the audacity to say, Emmett, whatever God's doing, I think it's going to take about a year. <laughs> and I said, a year? Who is this guy anyways? You know, I don't know who you are, Gil. Because I was like, God wants me to do something now. Like that was, like, I need to do something now. This is what I, I know to do next. And who is this guy saying it's going to take a year? I remember walking away from that meeting so discouraged, um, but also knowing deep down that I think he was right. <laughs> Because uh, it wasn't just a month after that meeting with Gil and with life that Morgan and I became honest with each other and with God and realized we, we don't want to do a church. We don't want to start a church. 
nor was it what we knew God wanted us to do. So after that, Morgan, I didn't know what the next steps were. And for the next few months, headed into the beginning of 2021 at this point, we gave up the idea of being in ministry altogether uh, because we realized at this time that God wasn't wanting us to do anything for him. Uh, he actually was trying to show us something better, was how to be with him. God was teaching me that being with God is his heart, not doing for God. And so I surrendered all that I knew up at that point to do. I surrendered ministry. I said, God, you can have it because I don't want anything else but just to be with you. So I give it all up. All that I've known to do with my life, I give it to you. And I think that was the point because God wanted me to rely on him and trust him even more. So I started looking for a new career, <laughs> which is hard to do when like filling out your own resume. All I've known to do is pastor and, and to be in church. And so I had to, you know, find a way to create a resume that would somehow get me hired on anywhere um, besides Chick-fil-A. Because I've worked at Chick-fil-A and that's a great job. You don't need a good resume for that. That's just a good place to work. Um, so I created a resume. I started applying. I, I started applying to places. I even got a few interviews with one place that seemed promising until they had to back out last minute. And so Morgan and I found ourselves around late spring in 2021, completely surrendered to God, not knowing what our future held, unsure of what was next, with nothing that made much sense, and yet we still had his peace. And yet, I saw how God was blessing our family. I saw how happy our kids were. I saw how much time was being given, how much time was being restored back to our family. I was falling in love with my family. And yet, even in the midst of the uncertainty, Morgan and I were drawing closer and closer together. We started talking and communicating more than we ever had before. We were working through the ups and downs of the last year in unity. And yet, in the midst of the unknown, worship came back into our home. It was like a dam was broken and worship flooded our hearts and our home. Songs were written. We would find ourselves worshiping in our sunroom for hours at a time as we trusted God with what was next. And yet, during that wonderful hard time that I call the great in-between, I was sitting with life every other week, processing what God was doing in our lives. But something else was happening too. I was also getting to hear about you guys. I was getting to hear about Grace Crossing Church. I was learning how Grace Crossing Church was led, how the church was shepherded, how the elders functioned. Um, how they cared for their church and their staff, how they made decisions by seeking God, by patiently waiting for answers, how their vision was about emotional health. And the more that I heard about, the more that I felt God tugging on my heart. Because this wasn't the first time I'd felt God tugging on my heart for GCC before. Um, actually, right before we moved to Ohio, this would have been a few weeks before we actually moved here, I called the only pastor that I knew at the time here in Ohio, and it was life. And I said, life, hey, I just wanted you to know we're, we're coming back to Ohio. And at the time, I'd heard that they had a youth director role that they're looking for. So I tried to steal Alicia's job. Um, <laughs> and I remember life telling me, he said, Emmett, I think God wants to use his time in you to help you know how to differentiate what it is that you actually 
and joy to do in ministry. And what he really was telling me was that I wasn't getting the job and that they had already, they already had someone who wanted the job and was gonna be a perfect fit for the job as Alicia is. But I felt so crushed because I was just hearing a small portion of what a healthy church looked like and I wanted it and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and I thought to myself, that's where I wanna be one day. But I was also so unaware at the time of how broken I was and how I didn't even know how to be in a functional relationship with God and with his church. And God was still wanting to show me what it is that I love to do and what it is that um, comes naturally to me just in ministry. And so fast forward to a year later and here I am staying with life and we're talking about GCC and I feel that tugging in my heart. And at this point in time in our story, Morgan and I had just started coming here, just us as a couple before our kids. And we both were feeling this natural desire to just be a part of this church in a way that I can only describe as God's leading. And keep in mind too that my mom had already been coming here for two years at this point, And she had not so secretly been telling me that she's been praying for me to get a job here. Um, and you know how moms can be, you know, they just pray fervently and faithfully. She's in Florida right now, so I'll get to say hi to her. Um, so I feel all this in my heart, all this rumbling around, talking to life, hearing about you guys. Um, and I'm in this relationship with life where I know I can share it. And so I just tell them, I say, life, this is what I feel. I keep feeling this tugging to be involved at GCC. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And what I love about life is that he just sat in it with me. He didn't offer a role to me. He didn't promise any sort of, hey, this is going to happen. He just sat in it. And we sat it together. And slowly over time, my passions for ministry started to become more evident to me. The things that come natural to me, the things that I enjoy doing. I talk about family ministry. I talk about pastoring and shepherding people and families. I talk about worship and how I love it and how it's something Morgan and I do so naturally. And it was so special because the things that I was talking about, the things that were natural to me were things that life was sharing, were just things that they were looking for. And over those period of a few months, that's how we came together with this idea of a new type of role here at GCC. One that would somehow involve family ministry and worship. Um, one that would be obviously different, new, and required a step of faith for even to trust how it all looks. So as life said in November of 2021, I came on part-time as a creative arts director and I learned the role. I got to know the great, wonderful staff that I get to work with. Um, I got to begin to meet more and more of you guys and uh, we discerned how the role was going and if it would fit. And then on March 5th, 2022, just about two years to the date of when Morgan and I resigned from our previous roles, Two years of God leading us through the unknown. Two years of learning how to surrender fully. Two years of resting in the mystery. Two years of falling in love with my family. Two years of miraculous provision. My mom giving us the home that we crashed in. We just kicked her out of it. <laughs> Two years of learning what it truly means to be a son. To just be with God and not do for him. I was able to sign on full-time as the associate pastor of families here at GCC. And I say this again as a reminder, God is faithful. In Hebrews 13, five, it says this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
But we have a God, a God, a good God, a God who doesn't care if something doesn't make sense to us because we know that he knows best. He asks us to trust him in the unknown. And he asks us to rest in the mystery with him. And I get it. There is a lot of mystery that we have to rest in with this role. And I don't think I've ever heard a role like it before, if I'm being honest. So I think what God's asking us to do is let's sit in that together. Let's trust God together. Let's look for his will over even our own. And for the families here and for the families listening, I'm so excited and humbled to be in this new role. I'm not coming here to even try to pretend to be a version of Lindsay because Lindsay has done such a phenomenal job. Those shoes I cannot fill. I mean, what she has led and grown in kids' ministry is so wonderful. She has led this children's team so carefully, with so much purpose and so much love. And I thank you for that. And as we step into this transition time, my main goal is to grow relationships with you guys, with our families, with the children. And my heart for family ministry comes from what God has inspired in me and done in our own family over these last two years. And one of those things is to slow down. We live in a world where the pace of life is so fast. And if you're not careful, you'll let it dictate your every step. There's so much that our families get asked to be a part of these days, whether it's clubs, sports teams, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, sports, not to mention work and school on top of that. And before you know it, there's just so much grabbing at a family's attention, grabbing at their time. And all of a sudden, you don't have any free evenings in the week. And you get to that weekend and you're just trying to breathe. There's a rhythm that God asks us to be on with him, a pace to life with him, and it's countercultural to the world that we live in today. As families and as believers in Jesus, what that requires is for us to have boundaries. In Psalm 23, it says this, verses one and two. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He leads me besides peaceful streams. What visual do you see when you see a peaceful stream? I see it flowing naturally. I see it at its own pace. It's not rushed, it's not hurried, it's not gushing. It's just a peaceful flow. It has a rhythm to it. And that's the pace that I believe God asks us to have, not just his families, but his people with him. Another thing that God's shown me and taught me in these two years is how to sit with him to sit with God. This was especially hard for me to learn, obviously, because um, it requires being still. It requires I don't do anything, and I love to try to do things, to try to fix things. But sitting with God means that you invite him into where you're at, and you don't try to fix it. You just be with him in it. And that's essentially what a lot of emotional, healthy spirituality is all about. And this is what I've had to learn to do and continue to learn to do with my family. Because as families, we will go through naturally hard things and unfair things and unjust things and broken things. And God is asking us to invite him into all of that, to sit with him in it, to talk with him about it, to talk to our kids about it, to talk to our family about it. 
and then to just sit and be with them in it. Because what I've learned is that in that pain and in that hardship, there's also treasures to be found that God has for you and your family. Treasures that you might miss out on if you don't learn to just sit with them in it. And the last thing is, and this one's my favorite, that's the thing that I've learned that I want to bring into a family ministry is to celebrate. Families, we need each other. I saw how you families rallied when we thought the Bengals were going to win the Super Bowl. When I'm still praying for you guys who didn't make it. But families, we need each other. We need to do life together in whatever way that works best for your family. And we need to celebrate each other's victories to cheer each other on, whether if that's a milestone that your children go through in life from baptisms to first Bibles to communion to graduations to big sports games to birthdays. We need to celebrate with each other, cheer each other on. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says this, because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another, just as you've already been doing. We need each other. That's what that's telling me. No one is exempt from needing encouragement and needing support. But you can't celebrate with each other unless you do one thing first. You invite people in. You open that door. You take that step of vulnerability and courage. And you invite family. You invite people. You invite friends. You invite other families along the journey with you. And that's also part of my heart. So I'm going to encourage us as families and just as people in general to do that, to celebrate with one another, to sit with God, and to slow down. And I'll end with this, just a special little story of my wife. Over two years ago, right in the middle of my family, about to go through the greatest transition of our lives, right before we were going to move and pack our house and sell everything in the middle of a situation that didn't make sense, Morgan, on her own, pulled the car into this parking lot one night, and she looked at this church, and she prayed that one day I'd have a job here. And she surely didn't know the two-year journey ahead of us, because um, if we had known, we probably wouldn't have made it. Um, and I stand before you today so thankful to our God for his direction and for his grace, and so thankful for what those two years have given us as a family. And I'm honored to be a part of this church with you, and eager to take these next steps together, even when that means that we have to rest in the mystery too. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.